Welcome to WMNF 88.5 FM and WMNF.org. You're listening to The Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. I hope everyone is recovering well from powerful Hurricane Ian. And I just want to remind people that while life might be back to normal for the most part in Pinellas, Hillsborough, Polk, and in counties to the north, there are still power outages and worse from Manatee County south to Collier. And many rivers are flooding, causing roads to be closed and some communities to be cut off from help. The website poweroutage.us says that as of nine this morning, 434,000 customers in Florida still lack electricity. Some school districts opened back up today, but some are still closed. Manatee and Polk reopened today. Sarasota, Hardy, DeSoto, and Charlotte County schools will be closed until further notice as they assess school damage. Well, all of this means that hundreds of thousands of Floridians still need help. So joining us now to talk about relief efforts is Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. Welcome back to WMNF, Jimmy. Thanks. It's, it's nice to talk with you. Yeah, I'm really glad you could join us today. And uh, I should say thank you to your group for everything that you're doing. And we're going to find out in this half hour what Mutual Aid Disaster Relief is all about and what it's doing to help people in need. So why don't you tell us, what is Mutual Aid Disaster Relief and what makes it different from other relief organizations? Yeah, Mutual Aid Disaster Relief is a people-powered disaster relief network based on the principles of mutual aid, solidarity, and autonomous direct action. And we work with individuals and communities most impacted um, to help uh, help facilitate a communal recovery. Um, um, so... Um, a lot of times, uh, top-down organizations will uh, share uh, supplies or some other type of help, but it comes with a downward gaze, and it comes with, you know, like often a feeling um, of um, superiority and inferiority. Um, and mutual aid, in contrast, um, is about sharing resources uh, and also about sharing power with each other as well, sharing decision-making power. And it's a multi-directional uh, process and approach that contributes to everybody's well-being and, um, and, and also liberation as well. And it's, um, it's a way of um, addressing uh, survival needs, you know, but in a way that is uh, committed and, um, you know, makes justice, um, you know, and um, subverting those unjust power dynamics, a huge part of the focus. Uh, and it's also, you know, much more uh, flexible and adaptive and, uh, you know, we can be different in different uh, contexts. I want to remind people that this is Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. And we're talking about Hurricane Ian recovery and uh mutual relief for, for people who are affected by by Hurricane Ian. And so Mutual Aid Disaster Relief established a relief station in Tampa. Where is that located and how can people get involved in participating there? Yeah, our mutual aid uh, hub in Tampa is at 609 West Waters Avenue. It's open from 10 a.m. to sunset uh, every day except Sunday because um, we don't want to interfere with their church services that are that are going on. Uh, it's it's a church space that's that's let us use the the property, um, and people can can co- come in, come out, you know, both give and receive supplies um, and drop off supplies for further south. 
Um, you know, we've had a number of uh, mobile supply distribution teams go out pretty much every day uh, to um, hard hit areas in uh, Fort Myers, Cape Coral, Inglewood, you know, different places, and uh, families, um, you know, uh, from from our community and from uh, those communities as well, have come up and 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 got supplies uh, that they've needed as well. What kind of supplies are you? requesting people donate? Um, things like tarps are, are really in need. Um, baby items, diapers, baby wipes, um, um, like contractor bags are great for picking up the debris. Um, um, you know, of, of, you know, all, all types of, you know, like supplies like food and water and cleaning supplies and hygiene supplies, Gatorade, um, uh, medical supplies where um, we're, we're starting up a mobile medical unit uh, to provide um, uh, wellness services in, in a mobile way to, to, to communities. And we have a solar trailer that is, is currently in Sarasota giving um, you know, power to different communities uh, without electricity. And you talked about your mobile teams. I read an account of one of them, Creative Loafing's Justin Garcia wrote about his experience uh, working, volunteering with the Mutual Aid Disaster Relief and also writing about it. He was in Fort Myers. That team was in Cape Coral, Northport, Inglewood, Venice, and Sarasota delivering supplies with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. In his article, Justin wrote, the destruction had us in awe. What can you say about what your teams are seeing about the destruction in Southwest Florida? Um, the, um, it's, you know, it, it, when, we, when we experience, you know, major disasters like this, um, it's, it's an experience where we are, um, you know, oftentimes overwhelmed by both the loss and the suffering and the trauma. Um, and also, you know, at the same time, overwhelmed by the love and the sense of care and community that blossoms in, in these times. I want to remind people that we're speaking with Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. And you're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. The time now is 10.13 in the morning. And we are speaking with Jimmy until about the bottom of the hour. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to speak with Eric Lynn, who is running for Congress in Pinellas. So I hope you stay tuned for the whole show. And we're talking about disaster relief in the wake of Hurricane Ian. The AP says that Ian has caused 71 deaths that we know about in Florida. Who knows, maybe that death toll will rise. And I'm also asking our listeners, if you're in the impacted area, are you in Manatee County or Sarasota or in the interior counties toward Lake Okeechobee? Um, and what's it like there? And are there things that you need that you could ask, you know, ask your fellow WMNF listeners, uh, give them an idea of what your community might need. So email me at dj at wmnf.org, text 813-433-0885, or you can give us a call at 813-239-9663. I want to know where, what it's like in the communities where, where you're, if you're being impacted. 
so going back to Jimmy with mutual aid disaster relief, there's something that um, that we're going to play some sound in just a bit about this. But really, when a disaster strikes, sure, we see houses uh, on the coast that are damaged and there's wealthy people who are um, impacted as well. But a lot of times, the most impacted people are in marginalized communities. What can you say about that? Yes, often, oftentimes, uh, a major climate-related disaster or other crisis unmasks the ongoing invisible disasters of, you know, our society and our economy. Um, you know, and you know, like already, you know, through, you know, like daily life, many people are, um, um, you know, surviving, you know, on a thread and, um, a, a disaster like this exposes, uh, those, those, um, those invisible disasters and, um, the, the impacts of, uh, of something like a hurricane, follows the similar lines of race and class and ability and age and uh, uh, um, immigration status and other binaries of, of oppression and injustice uh, that, that, that we experience in our society. And, and so, um, you know, the response in order to be a just recovery needs to take into account um, people from those historically marginalized communities, uh, involve them in the recovery efforts and address the needs from the disaster and previous, you know, the, the needs that were existent prior uh, to the hurricane or the disaster as well. And on that point, Jimmy, uh, I should tell people that we're speaking with Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. You're listening to 88.5 FM, WMNF Tampa. This is Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're going to hear from someone in East Tampa for uh, a short soundbite. Residents living paycheck to paycheck have difficult decisions to make before a storm like Hurricane Ian. Longtime East Tampa resident and activist Erlisha Oates says that some households can't afford the added expense of evacuating during a hurricane. Everybody can't afford to leave. A lot of people don't have that luxury to just say, hey, I'm going to get up and spend $1,000 to take me and my kids somewhere else. Oates says she spent $400 on supplies to shelter in place with her four children, buying canned food, water, flashlights, and life jackets. She says others in her community who spent similar amounts on supplies are now concerned about paying bills that will be soon overdue. That's why Oates has lobbied community leaders to develop grants for hurricane safety kits. So Jimmy, uh, the idea of people who are already spread thin having to spend $400 on supplies to shelter in, in place, thinking that there's no way they could afford to evacuate to a hotel in Orlando or wherever. Um, how does that illustrate what we've been talking about, about marginalized communities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if, if, people, if people don't have transportation, you know, they're not going to be able to evacuate. If people don't have the funds or the, you know, a place to stay, you know, somewhere outside of the impacted area, they're not going to be able to evacuate. And, you know, over the previous week, you know, prior to Hurricane Ian hit, hitting, uh, the projections had it going um, from uh, Fort Myers up to Pensacola and back. And so, you know, to expect everybody in all those regions to evacuate you know, with very little notice and very little you know, uh, financial resources is, 
is um, unrealistic. Our guest is Jimmy Dunson. He's with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. And we're taking your calls and emails about what the disaster has been like for you and what your community might need. Let me ask you this question that came in from email, Jimmy. Wendy writes, I have a friend here in Pinellas County that has a nearly new wheelchair. Where can she take it? Is that is a wheelchair something that they could drop off to Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we would we would love to, you know, receive supplies like that and um share that share share them with the with people who, who, who could who could use them. And also, um it's just in the works. You know, it's not um, you know, official right now, I don't think, but you know, it seems like uh the St. Pete Free Clinic is gonna be opening as as a mutual aid hub or a distribution relief hub, you know, as well. So that may be an option to drop off um, supplies there in the future as well. And I'll read the address of the one in Tampa, and I will also email this to Wendy after the show. But the address uh, for your Waters Avenue Church, which is located at 609 West Waters Avenue in Tampa. So it's kind of north northwest Tampa um, if you want to drop it off there or or see if the, the St. Pete Free Clinic has... Uh, the resources that Jimmy is talking about as being a distribution site. So thank you for that email, Wendy. I will reply to you after the show with the address if you need it again. Um, Jim, uh, Jimmy, I think you went to Puerto Rico after one of the last major hurricanes where there was power out for days. Um, how does it compare? What was it like in Puerto Rico at the time? And how, do you, how does it compare to what we're seeing in Florida? Um, power was actually out for months, um, after hurricane Maria. Um, and we did, um, we were able to connect with a lot of, uh, spontaneous local mutual aid efforts that sprang up across the island and help with solar infrastructure. And that, um, solar infrastructure is actually still powering communities, you know, for, from hurricane Fiona, you know, the, the grid was down, is down and, um, but the standalone off-grid systems are uh, are powering communities and um, having life-saving electricity for them. Um, and you know, we we share a lot in common uh, with um, with with people in in Puerto Rico. Um, there's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of commonalities as well. And um, you know, there's folks from Puerto Rico uh, who have already reached out uh, saying that they plan to come here. Uh, and help uh, with the relief efforts. Um. That's Jimmy Dunson with uh, with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Tampa. And we're going to take a phone call or two right now, Jimmy. And you're welcome to call in 813-239-9663. You can also email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. I have Jerry in St. Petersburg who says he has a comment for Jimmy. Yeah, it's that you there? You're on the air, yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's just it's more it's actually more like a question. So when I Jimmy, first of all, thank you for your efforts and what you're doing. So what was kinda of caught me by surprise in listening to you for the first time is are you familiar with a poet philosopher Ocean Vong, a Vietnamese American? Ocean Vong? Yes, yes. Oh, what a coincidence. Well I think you have a extraordinarily similar voice pattern to this guy. Have you ever heard him? Um, I, I didn't I didn't know that. Well, maybe you want to check it out. It's it's kind of extraordinary. 
Disney Humanity. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, check it out. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Thank, thank Thanks. you, Jerry. Appreciate yeah. that call. And we had someone who called in from Highlands County, and I was looking forward to talking to them about, I think it was Highlands, about what the interior of the state is like. And they it seems like they dropped off. So if you do have a chance to call back, uh, I believe it was a woman, please call back. I'd be very interested in hearing. And, and they had a question about rivers overflowing, which is certainly something that we're worrying about. The Peace River, the Mayaka River, all of them are uh, really taking in, a, took in a lot of water last week and are still affecting the communities around there. And speaking of, it wasn't just Southwest Florida. It was also the Orlando area and Volusia County over near Daytona Beach uh, down to the uh, Capes, the Cape, the uh, Space Center is what the word I was looking for. So North, I guess, North Central Florida and, um, and uh, East Central Florida were also affected. And our reporter, Megan, um, sorry, McKenna Schuler talked to Sarah Blaine, who lives in Longwood. We're going to hear uh, just a short clip here from Sarah Blaine, that, um, is, who is also a volunteer organizer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief in Central Florida. And she says that low-income and other marginalized communities have been hit the hardest in the Orlando area. I'm so angry. There are just so many people who need stuff and that the systems in place are letting them down. So it's just constantly trying to to meet these needs as quickly as we can. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the shelter situation, the housing situation is just ridiculous. We've got somebody staying with us that's an electric wheelchair user. They have Section 8. They should have been housed, um, but they can't get into, There's there are no accessible Section 8 apartments. Um, so they just would have been on the street with their electric wheelchair and the um, homeless shelters don't have accessible beds. So it just, I'm just really frustrated. Um, I'm grateful that there are so many folks in the mutual aid community that are coming together to try and meet those needs, but it's just enraging that these systems that are supposed to be a safety net for people are just utterly failing right now. Again, that was Sarah Blaine, who lives in Longwood near Orlando. We're going to hear from her in a short segment in just a little bit again. But I, I do want to um, go back to Jimmy Dunson with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. What can you tell us about the disaster relief efforts in the Orlando area where river flooding and street flooding was a, a huge problem? They don't have a coast right there in, in Orange County or, or Osceola County or Seminole, but the rivers are rising or were rising and certainly flooded out streets. But I'm looking at the electricity map quite often, and it looks like most power has been restored to Orange County, Seminole County, and Osceola County. What, do you, what are you hearing from people on the ground there, Jimmy? With Mutual Aid Disaster Relief, uh, we partner with a lot of independent autonomous local mutual aid efforts and we have a wonderful um you know powerful beautiful local mutual aid effort in central florida called central florida mutual aid um and i encourage everybody uh to check out central florida mutual aid uh, on their uh, social media or uh and donate if possible uh, they're doing amazing work um you know they have very little resources and and they're taking care of a lot of a lot of people's needs, you know, throughout throughout the region. And so I really encourage people, um, you know, 
be involved with mutual aid disaster relief, but also, you know, support mutual aid disaster relief, but also support local mutual aid efforts and projects like Central Florida Mutual Aid. And we talked earlier about how people could drop off donations to mutual aid efforts in the Tampa area. But I imagine there are people out there who might want to volunteer their time, perhaps take one of these uh, these delivery trips where, where you're building community in the affected areas. So that might involve some screening, I imagine, or at least some training. What, what would you recommend to people if they're interested, if they think they might be interested in taking some relief supplies to South, Southwest Florida as part of mutual aid? People, people can email us at mutualaiddisasterrelief at gmail.com. That might be um, a good way to, to go about it. And I want to remind people that our guest is Jimmy Dunson. He's a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. Jimmy, you wrote, you published a book recently um, about disaster relief and about how people can get involved. So, uh, you know, I don't, this isn't a commercial, of course, but t- tell a little bit about what you wrote about in the book and, and how, what people might learn. Uh, the book is called Building Power While the Lights Are Out, Disasters, Mutual Aid, and Dual Power. And it's an anthology with about 20 different contributors, both individuals and groups from a lot of different uh, positions and perspectives um, on on doing this type of organizing. Um, and I, I wrote uh, an introductory uh, piece um, essay, uh, and it was uh, entitled Cracks and Seeds. And that those were two metaphors that I saw occur again and again in different um, different uh, other contributors uh, pieces and cracks you know often you know like it cracks can represent um, you know like a crack in the walls that divide us or a crack in time where more is possible um, and um, you know like what nature teaches us is um, you know it, it could also be like a crack in the imperialist white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, you know, um, in that that fortress that that uh, that we experience in our lives as a disaster, um, and what nature teaches us is that actually the the most powerful way um, to widen those cracks is from below, is seeds, is instead of um, instead of a jackhammer from above. It's blooming and blossoming and growing from below in all those cracks and crevices uh, that we find ourselves in. And that's the most powerful way to destroy the oppressive uh, structures around us. Our guest is Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. You're listening to 88.5 FM WMNF Tampa Community Radio in the Tampa Bay area and beyond. And you might be listening on WMNF.org or on the WMNF app. This is Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We have a couple of emails that I can read right now, but I also want to remind people that if you'd like to reach out to us and say, here's what my community looks like. Here's how we were affected by Hurricane Ian. And here's what we might still need. Give us a call, 813-239-9663. Email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. So David writes, I've heard very little post-hurricane information on Placida, Inglewood, Boca Grande, etc. I was wondering if you've heard about conditions there. And David goes on to say he finds it irritating that so much media coverage is on Sanibel, which is home to some of the wealthiest people in in the world. So, um, 
So these communities, Placida, Inglewood, Boca Grande, have you heard anything specific about what's, uh, what's going on in those communities, Jimmy? I, I know um, from our mobile supplies distribution uh, crews that have gone out that Inglewood, you know, is, you know, had a, had a, had a lot of impacts and, you know, that, um, you know, there is a lot more need for continuing to bring in uh, supply convoys of, of, of assistance there. And I think the Tampa Bay Times has had reporters in some of those communities and um, maybe maybe some of those communities is where Justin Garcia from Creative Loafing yes. went. So um, those coverages are, are uh, excellent and on, on the their respective websites, cltampa.com, I think, and of course, uh, tampabay.com is, is Tampa Bay Times. So thank you for that question, David. Now, Bubba writes, uh, this is something that I'm definitely going to ask my next guest again at, at in about uh, 10 minutes or so, five, five minutes or so. I'm going to bring on Eric Lynn, who is running for Congress in Pinellas County. And uh, so Bubba suggests that I ask this question to you, Jimmy. What does your guest think about the delayed response to evacuate Lee County? Of course, Lee County is where um, Fort Myers is, Cape Coral, and those islands that we were just talking about. Bubba says, I think some lives could have been saved if the evacuation order was issued a day earlier on Monday. The folks there didn't have much time to evacuate. Any thoughts on that, Jimmy? Um, yes, but it's more of a general thought, um, you know, that, um, you know, time and time again, from Hurricane Katrina to Hurricane Maria, now to Hurricane Ian, you know, and um, all, all the fires and other disasters that we experience time and again, we learn that we cannot rely on the state. We cannot rely on the government to save us. Um, same for you know the market and same for the nonprofit industrial complex. Um, if we have a hope for survival and we do, it comes from each other. Whatever we see that needs to be done, we need to be doing that for each other and taking responsibility, um, whether that's uh, disseminating information picking up the trash, washing the dishes, uh, checking on elders, um, you know, distributing supplies, you know, across the board, what, what we see that needs to be done. We need all of us from below need to be taking responsibility to do it. I guess is Jimmy Dunson, a volunteer with Mutual Aid Disaster Relief. Thank you for that question, Bubba, and for the answer, Jimmy. Also, um, I'm seeing a note here that the question that came from Highlands County had to do with the phosphate flow getting into the river. So the Peace River flows right through phosphate country. It's one of the rivers that's really flooding over the last week or so. Jimmy, have you heard anything about um, phosphate contamination during this round of flooding of the Peace River or any of the other rivers there? Uh, I don't, I don't have uh, intimate knowledge of that uh, exactly, but uh, toxic, you know, floodwaters, you know, after a storm is very, very common. And so much of what what our um, economy is based on um, in, in our society is destruction of the the you know the environment and toxic conditions and you know um, it's a recipe for a disaster and we need an overhaul of, of that to establish right relationship with each other and the planet uh, to 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 heal recover and prepare uh, for for what comes next. Well, we will continue to talk about Hurricane Ian recovery in the weeks to come, I'm sure. 
But um, before I let you go, Jimmy, tell us where people can find out more about mutual aid disaster relief, where they can drop off supplies and how they can find out about volunteering. People can go to mutualaiddisasterrelief.org on our website or mutual aid disaster relief on uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And in Tampa, people can drop off supplies at 609 West Waters Avenue in Tampa. And we're also collecting supplies uh, from other places across the state and the country where people are bringing it down to, uh, to, to bring to impacted communities. And if you missed any of that, there are links on WMNF.org where you can find links to mutual aid, disaster relief, and so on. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, Jimmy. Thank you. I'm really glad you could join us. Thanks so much. Take care. Well, we will be right back. We're going to take a very short music break right now, and then we'll be back with our next guest, who is Eric Lynn. Eric Lynn is running for Congress in Pinellas County. You're listening to WMNF Tampa, 88.5 FM and WMNF.org. You're listening to the Tuesday Cafe. Stay tuned. Recording in progress. Welcome back to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. Our next guest is running for Congress in Pinellas County, Democrat Eric Lynn. There are four other candidates in the race for Florida's 13th Congressional District. Anna Paulina Luna won the August Republican primary. And Frank Kraft is with the Libertarian Party of Florida. And there are two qualified write-in candidates, Dwight Young and Jacob Daniel Kerno. WMNF invited Anna Paulina Luna on the show, but her schedule wrote she has another interview scheduled at the same time. Eric Lynn joins us now by Zoom. Welcome back to WMNF, Eric. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm glad you could join us on the show because the election this year is really important and we're going to try to get on as many candidates as we can in the remaining couple of months, uh, month or so, that is. So um, you want to represent parts of Pinellas County in Congress. Tell people more about yourself and why you want to be a member of Congress. Absolutely. First, I couldn't agree with you more that voters in Pinellas County deserve to hear about my background and about my opponent's background and what we stand for. I'm a native of Pinellas. I'm a proud graduate of St. Petersburg High School. I worked for Secretary of Defense as a senior advisor, and those are Secretaries of Defense of both parties, Republican and Democrat. I'm running as the common sense centrist candidate in this race to follow in the footsteps of so many members of Congress that represented Pinellas County that have brought things back to this community and stood up for the values that people here in Pinellas County share. My priorities in this race are making sure that we combat inflation and have an economy that works for everyone, that we protect a woman's freedom to choose and of course, we support our veterans and protect 
our environment. Uh, you know, what I want to say here is, unfortunately, my opponent is way too extreme for this community. It's a shame she didn't agree to uh, come on the show with you here, Sean, because then you'd be able to ask her what her policy positions are. Uh, but she's called herself an extremist on a number of issues. And it is disappointing that she's not willing to uh, express what her opinions on those issues are. But I do want to just share good news because you asked how the race is going. Uh, first, most importantly, the most recent poll uh, done by an outside group shows that we are leading in this race by two points, 45-43 uh, uh, over Anna Luna. Uh, and I also want to add that we just finished a fundraising quarter uh, here, and we had an excellent fundraising quarter uh, where we raised over a half million dollars, and we have now uh, raised over $2 million for this campaign to make sure that our message can get out and the people of Pinellas know that I'm the centrist, common sense candidate uh, in this race. Our guest is Eric Lynn, who is running as a Democrat for Congress in Pinellas County. A caller, uh, sorry, an emailer asked us this question in the first half of the show, and it was on my list of things to ask you as well. The federal response to Hurricane Ian, what would you say has been uh, the federal response so far? Yeah, great question. First, let me just say that uh, our heart goes out to those in Southwest Florida, particularly in Fort Myers, uh, and the Port Charlotte areas that have been hit so hard in Sanibel Island as well. And we need to do everything we can as Floridians to come together to help the victims of Hurricane Ian, but also as Americans. And I'm thankful to first our local leaders here in Pinellas who prepared uh, for the storm potentially coming here. And while we got high winds and, and rain and unfortunately, uh, Folks like my neighbor had a tree fall through their roof. They have not seen the devastation uh, that we saw in Southwest Florida. But I want to commend uh, Mayor Ken Welsh of St. Petersburg and Mayor Frank Hibbert of Clearwater, uh, as well as the Pells County Commission uh, for all of their work in, in preparation. Uh, your question was about the federal response. And so far, uh, I have heard from, and it looks like FEMA uh, is doing uh, what they can to help with the necessary support for Floridians. Uh, and obviously, this recovery is not going to happen overnight. Uh, we cannot let up in continuing to push FEMA to continue their help uh, for those in the Sunshine State that have been hurt. Uh, I do want to add what's most shocking to me is that when a vote came up in Congress to ensure that there is hurricane support relief funding for Floridians after Hurricane Ian. Florida House Republican members of Congress, particularly those that my opponent Anna Luna calls her close friends and supporters, voted against the support from the federal government to hurricane victims and for hurricane relief. You can go and check the vote yourself. But Matt Gates came here to campaign for Anna Luna. He voted against it. Other good friends of Anna Luna's, Byron Donalds, who represents the area that was hit in Southwest Florida, voted against hurricane support. And then of course, the most extreme people that Anna Luna has brought here to this district because it's who she hopes to be like in Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert voted against hurricane support for victims of Hurricane Ian here in Florida. It is wrong. It is shameful. We cannot afford to have extremist representation like that, not in Pinellas, not in Florida, and not anywhere in the United States. Our guest is Eric Lynn, 
on WMNF. He's running for Congress in Pinellas County. And just to that point that you were just making that uh, I'll read here from the Hill about a recent government funding vote in the U.S. House. Representative Matt Gates says he wants Congress to approve additional funds to help the state recover from Hurricane Ian after, after he voted against a government funding measure last week that freed up nearly $19 billion in federal disaster aid. Gates joined 15 other Florida lawmakers in voting against the continuing resolution that allows the government to remain funded at the current spending levels through mid-December and includes a new round of funding for Ukraine as well as for disaster aid. President Biden signed the bill into law hours before a government shutdown deadline. So uh, let me play devil's advocate. Maybe, maybe people like Matt Gates are saying something like, well, we should fund disaster relief by itself and not make it part of this big resolution resolution, this continuing resolution and part of Ukraine aid. What's your response? My response is you can't have your cake and eat it too, Sean. Part of being a legislator and working in government to help people means that when you have the opportunity to vote to help people that are victims of a hurricane, they lost their homes. Many, unfortunately, lost their lives. And right now they need all the help that they can get. Matt Gates is playing political games as he usually does. And of course, he's supporting my extremist opponent, Anna Luna, who wants to play those same political games. My answer is, if you have an opportunity to vote for funding, to help people that are losing their homes, that are losing their lives, they need the support necessary at that point in time. Also, I just want to add, my opponent has voted against a bill that was so important, excuse me, stated that she would vote against a bill that was so important to help so many in our community here and around the country, which was helping veterans and victims of toxic burn pits in Operation OEF in Afghanistan. Uh, I was in Afghanistan, as you know, and OIF in Iraq. And that bill came forward, supported by bipartisan Republican and Democrats in the House and the Senate. And Anna Luna went on television and said, I would have voted against the PACT Act if I were in Congress. I raise that with you now, Sean, because you cannot talk about voting against helping people and then pretend later on that you want to help people. You must vote for it when it comes up in order to be able to help them. That's true for hurricane funding. That is true for veterans. And for Anna Luna to go on TV and say she would have voted against veterans, and to Matt Gates, Matt Gates to say that he did vote against hurricane victims, you cannot say you want to help people after you just voted against them. Our guest is Eric Lynn, who is running for Congress in Pinellas County. He's a Democrat, and you're listening to WMNF Tampa's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. Uh, one last question about Hurricane Ian response, and we talked about the federal response, but what about the state's response to this to the disaster and? whether it was prepared ahead of time, there has been criticism that Lee County only issued evacuation orders a day before the storm hit. Yeah, Sean, so you know, I said at the top that I really wanna commend the Pinellas County Commission uh, and our local leaders here, uh, led by uh, Commissioner Charlie Justice and others. Uh, they put out uh, the appropriate warnings and evacuation requirements uh, for those that were in flood zones here in Pinellas County uh, and people were able to evacuate. Obviously, we know the storm turned to the south uh, and I have heard the criticism of uh, the Lee County officials. Uh, I would say that we need to look at the timeline 
as to when they knew what they knew. Um, and I hope that they certainly would have uh, put the evacuation orders in place uh, when they were necessary. Uh, but I'm focused right here in Pinellas uh, on this community and we follow the leadership of the Pinellas County Commission. And I'm appreciative that they came out with their evacuation orders in the time uh, that they did for people living in flood zones. Uh, and uh, obviously, while there was some uh, damage here, we have faced nothing uh, like they faced in, in Southwest Florida. And we need to do what we can to help uh, those communities now. Eric Lynn, in your introduction at the beginning of the segment, you said that you were appointed by President Obama to serve as senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense in the Obama administration. And your campaign website says he was proud to fight for equality, working to end the don't ask, don't tell policy of the U.S. military that discriminated against service members for who they love. Why is that something that you work to end? Yeah, great question. Uh, so you're correct. I served as senior advisor to uh, Republican Secretary of Defense Bob Gates and Democrat Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta. And we did work to end the discriminatory policy known as don't ask, don't tell. Uh, and that's because no one should be told that they cannot serve their country because of who they love. At the time when we worked to end that policy, uh, there were a number of uh, polls taken within the U.S. military about uh, this situation. And of course, there were some naysayers who felt that there was a problem with morale in the military. And what those rank and file military uh, interviews and polls showed was that rank and file military members, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, did not care who members of their fighting force went home to at night, who they were living with, married to, raising a family with. What they cared about was, are they dedicated soldiers to defend the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic? And they were, and it was the right thing to do to end that policy that was discriminatory and to tell people that you should not, or excuse me, that you should be able to serve your country no matter who you love. Our guest is Eric Lynn, a Democrat running for Congress in Pinellas County. You're listening to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. Eric, we're going to talk about some of the priorities that you mentioned earlier in the show, but we just got an email that I should um, I want to ask you about because this was this topic was on my list of things to talk to you about, and that's the conflict in Ukraine, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Quinn writes. And he has a 727 area code, you should know. He says, I'm a young hippie. As a GIS analyst, I'm working on a, on a collecting specific features over Ukraine. How will we achieve peace? Will the pressure of gas prices change your position? Will I be drafted if all goes to hell? So that's, those are some of Quinn's questions, apparently, in either Pasco or Pinellas. Excellent. Well, I'm glad we had the opportunity to discuss Ukraine. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, I was proud uh, to serve as a senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense at the Pentagon, where I had the opportunity to advise uh, our military leadership as well as our troops and to ensure that our national security is doing what the Constitution states that it should, which is to defend the United States and our national security. Now, at this point in time, we have a tyrant in Vladimir Putin. He has chosen to go to war. That is why you hear everyone in the military call this a war of choice, because we in the United States do not choose war. We choose peace, but we always defend ourselves with the strongest military in the world. The people of Ukraine democratically elected their leadership. Vladimir Putin is trying to violently take over his neighbor, and we in the United States will stand with the Democratic 
the elected government of Ukraine. I need to point out here something that you mentioned earlier in the show, Sean, that not only did many Republicans in the Congress vote against continuing assistance to the nation of Ukraine, but my opponent, Anna Luna, has also spoken out against assistance to Ukraine. We must help people that are being attacked by a tyrant in Vladimir Putin. We must assist the Ukrainians in defending themselves. And anyone who says they're going to vote against that does not understand the United States national security, does not understand the world and how national security works vis-a-vis the United States and the world. Now, to some of the questions that I think uh, your your caller or uh, emailer asked, um, how are we going to make peace? Uh, I certainly support efforts uh, towards peace in Ukraine. I believe that we need to have the United Nations and other organizations push the Russians to continue the negotiations with the Ukrainians on ending this conflict. The Russians chose to start this war, and now they must choose peace to move forward with it. We've seen the Ukrainians make some significant gains uh, in the past few weeks, and we know that Vladimir Putin uh, has himself called up a draft in Russia because uh, of significant problems with their military effectiveness. Uh, Your caller or emailer asked if I believe there'll be a draft in the United States. uh, And the answer to that question is no. Uh, We have the most powerful and most effective military in the world. It is an all volunteer force. Uh, Some of the bravest and most talented men and women that I was proud to work with when I served as a senior advisor to the Secretary of Defense in the Pentagon. And I can tell you that the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines who continue to defend this country uh, are going to do so on a volunteer basis, and we appreciate everything that they do. Our guest is Eric Lynn. He's a Democrat running for Congress in Pinellas County, and you're listening to WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM or WMNF.org. This is Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. And Eric, earlier you were talking about some of your priorities. So let's start with one that's on the minds of a lot of voters in 2022, and that's the overturning of Roe versus Wade and abortion access. What are your thoughts about that and what Congress might be able to do? Great question. Listen, in the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court overturned 50 years of rights that have been afforded to women to have the freedom to make their own healthcare decisions between themselves and their doctor, not to be forced by government or anyone else to be told what they can or cannot do with their bodies. It is a very extreme rollback of rights. And what we need to do is ensure that those rights are afforded to women here in Pinellas County, in Florida, and across the country. The way that we can do that is by codifying the rights that Roe afforded in federal legislation in Washington by the United States Congress. I have committed to vote for the codification of the rights that Roe afforded. And I can tell you today, Sean, and I want to tell all of your listeners, anyone who feels that a woman deserves the freedom to make her own healthcare decisions about her body needs to vote for Eric Lynn for Congress in this election, because my opponent is not just someone who says casually she opposes abortion rights. She has described herself on video as a pro-life extremist. 
She stands for banning all abortion rights with no exceptions. That means, Sean, no exceptions for victims of rape, no exceptions for victims of incest, and no exceptions to save the life of a mother if her health is in danger. That is barbaric, it is extreme, it is wrong, and it does not represent the views of the people of Pinellas County. The most recent polling shows that six in 10, over 60% of voters in Pinellas County support the rights that Roe afforded and a woman's freedom to make her own decisions about her body. That is what the community supports. That's why I'm the common sense centrist candidate in this race. Uh, and that's why your listeners need to vote for someone who's gonna stand up for those rights. This is Eric Lynn, a Democrat running for Congress in Pinellas County. You're listening to WMNF 88.5 FM. Another priority that you mentioned, Eric, is economic security. On your website, it says that you will protect and expand social security. How will you do that? And why do you think that social security needs protection and expansion? Yeah, great question. Uh, if I can, I know you want to talk about social security and I do as well, because it's so important to, to protect the social security of our seniors. We all know how many seniors live here in Pinellas County uh, and social security is our, our funds that people have paid into for their entire lives. They deserve to receive them uh, as uh, they become uh, of age to, to receive social security. And we can talk about that in a minute, but you mentioned an economy that works for everyone in economic security. And what I wanna say here is that we must combat the inflation that our country is experiencing. What I have stated the ways to do that. First is by lowering middle-class taxes. Unfortunately, Hello, hello, the tax hello, cut hello, that hello, hello, Donald hello, Trump hello, has hello. pushed forward on and that hello, 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 Anna Luna hello, has stated she supports am I there? Okay. is a tax cut for the wealthy. We need middle class tax cuts. <laughs> Second, we have to lower health care and prescription drug costs. So where are you going? As you know, so many seniors here in our community are paying way too much for their prescription drugs. I just talked to a woman this past week who said that she has to make a decision at the end of the month, whether she is going to buy her prescription drugs that she needs in order to stay healthy or to go to the store that week to buy her groceries and her food. That is wrong. It should not take place in Pinellas. It should not take place in Florida or across the country. And that means we need to negotiate those prescription drug costs. There are now ways that we can negotiate some prescription drugs, but we must be able to negotiate many, many more. Now, one final piece. We have to incentivize training for the supply chain delays that we're facing right now in our economy. As you know, there was a huge supply chain delay, particularly coming out of Asia when China shut down fully, most recently uh, for their COVID problems about four months ago. That has led to a backlog in the supply chain, but we have our own backlog in the US supply chain because once those container ships come to port, on the East Coast and the West Coast of Florida, those containers are unfortunately staying on those ships for way too long. If you go to a port in the United States, you will see container ships and the containers are staying on. That's because we need more longshoremen to be able to take those containers safely off of those ships and put them on the trucks. And we need more truck drivers to be able to drive those containers with the goods down here to Florida and to across the United States. The way we do that is by incentivizing people to become and train. So you definitely need serious training to have these excellent jobs. 
longshoremen, and truck drivers. That's tax incentives. That is breaks on the training courses. And there is a need to continue to increase our supply chain employ employment. And we have to put Americans back to work. That's how we end this supply chain delay. Now, sorry for that long answer, but let's come to Social Security. Let me remind Social people Security. before you talk about Social Security that, you're, that we're speaking with Eric Lynn, a Democrat running for Congress in Pinellas County. And this is WMNF 88.5 FM. So yes, tell us about Social Security and your plans for saving it. Absolutely. So Social Security is not an entitlement. It is a fund that every working American has paid into for their entire lives and deserves to receive when uh, and to help so many across Pinellas County. First, we need to end the penalization of widows and widowers for having two incomes. We need to end the five month waiting period. We need to extend the social security dependent benefits. And we also need to reveal excuse me, we need to repeal some programs that are hurting our social security recipients right now, uh, known as WEP and GPO. Uh, there is currently a bill in Congress uh, by my friend, Congressman John Larson in Connecticut, and we need to make sure that that bill gets passed in order to protect social security. Uh, and I will support that, uh, hopefully, uh, as the representative, uh, if elected here in Pinellas County. Well, before the end of the show, I want to ask people, Eric Lynn, where they can go to get more information about your campaign. Great, great question. Please go to ericlynnforcongress.com. That's ericlynnforcongress.com. You can read more about my priorities in this race. You can sign up to volunteer. We have a large group of volunteers every weekend as we go knock on doors and evenings uh, as I walk and knock on doors uh, with those great volunteers. And of course, uh, every campaign uh, is expensive to make sure that we get our message out. And on that website, you can support our campaign. Every $5, uh, every $10 helps. Eric Lynn for Congress.com. Thank you for that, Sean. Well, thank you so much for coming on WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, Eric. Thank you for having me. I'm proud to be the common sense centrist candidate here in this race and look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Eric Lynn is a Democrat running for Congress in Pinellas County. Election day is five weeks from today, Tuesday, November 8th. You can also vote by mail or vote early in person. For more information on your county's supervisors of elections website has that information. And also the deadline to register to vote in this election is a week from today, Tuesday, October, October 11th. And I want to thank as well my other guest, Jimmy Dunson. If you missed either of these segments, you can watch them beginning this afternoon on WMNF.org. Thanks to our phone screener, Greg. You've been listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. If you like the programming on 88.5 FM, please consider making a donation at WMNF.org. Our fall membership drive begins on Thursday. In this time slot tomorrow is Midpoint. And next up is Wavemakers with Janet and Tom Sherberger. Their guest today is Patrick Mantega, the publisher of La Gazzetta newspaper that's coming up after NPR headlines. You're listening to WMNF Tampa, St. Petersburg, Sarasota, Clearwater, Lakeland. Thanks so much for listening.